From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in accurate Minneapolis and Duluth, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Rob and John Donkin, co-founders of Bad Viking Studios, to discuss scoping for your project. And so, everyone's ready. Let's start. All right, we'll get to you boys in a moment. <laughs> Ellen, Ellen, you're in Duluth now. Yes, I'm in Duluth now. That's the update. Uh, whatever for. I moved here. Oh, okay. <laughs> just subtle. Big show news. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Ellen, you like it was just the other day, like just a day or two ago, right? That you like hauled up. Yeah. Stuff, right? Everything is in boxes. Everything, everything is in boxes. It's terrible. Like. Yeah. I am living out of my travel bag. So I have all the essentials, but like, yeah. So listeners should be very thankful that Ellen prioritized getting her headset and, and, and microphone yeah. set up so we could do the recording today. Yeah. Um, those, box, um, those boxes were labeled in like the biggest possible letters, like office needs Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you, cause you were, weren't totally sure when the move would happen. Right. Cause you bought a house. You still have the old, you're not doing, you're kind of doing a long transition. Yeah. Well, we're hoping to sell it. We won't take too much time on this. You guys, thanks for humoring us. Um, <laughs> this is just news. This is news in our world. We can't yeah. avoid talking about yeah, it. Yeah. First, yeah we, we literally, we moved up Friday and Saturday. Steven and Dale both helped. Thank you so much. Um, because there was You're welcome. I didn't <laughs> Mark had other stuff to do. Um, Mark was smart. <laughs> everyone is sore it was a lot of moving um yeah we we moved up friday and saturday today is the following monday so we spent the weekend in the house um the biggest update i have is eric and i got a king-size bed so we were like and (laughs) slept really well and that's pretty much it there's really nothing else to update because everything is still in boxes and no one's sleeping well and we couldn't even find the coffee maker this morning so we had to french press it and yeah, we'll have more questions for you in future episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you'll be you'll be back down here into the clubhouse uh to, you know, uh to bring us souvenirs from Duluth yes. from time to time. I'll bring, I suspect, bring so. you some cool rocks from the lake. Um all right, uh Rob and John, thank you for joining us. Um why don't you uh as we get started, why don't you give us a little bit of a background of who you are and a little bit about Bad Viking? Sure. Um I guess I'll go first. Um my name's Rob. Um, and I work with my brother, John, he's the other half of Bad Viking. I do most of the code side of things, um, and John does most of the art side of things, making everything look good. Um, and how long have we been working together now, John? Uh, I reckon we've been doing this for nearly or just over 10 years now. Actually, it's over 10 years. It's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's, it's over 10, yeah. Yeah, since we got started in Flash games. Uh, Ah, my people. Back in the day when that was like a whole industry where you could <laughs> sort of experiment and have fun and make cool games and make a bit of a living out of. And then, uh, yeah, that all kind of fell apart and we had to find something else to do. <laughs> We've had to uh, sort of move up in the world of game development and make more bigger projects. And <laughs> yeah, which has turned out to be amazing for us because it kind of pushed us into trying bigger stuff and, and doing things that maybe put ourselves out of our comfort zone a bit because we I think we'd have been quite happy just tinkering away making silly little flash games mm. for 
I don't know, all of time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this feels like we've matured a little bit and um, our latest game, Strange Horticulture, has found an audience. So, yeah, it's it's gone well so far. Cool, yeah. Um, we had a chance to play Strange Horticulture at GDC yeah. last year. Couple, time is an illusion. Oh, maybe, I don't know. Last year yeah. or the year before? 2022. Yeah, it was 2022. You guys were out on the the indie feature floor. and Yeah, that's right. We, we, we were nominated um, in the IGF for game design as well, which was uh, an unbelievable um, achievement. Um, just to get uh, recognized for that. And uh, yeah, it meant that we got to showcase the game at GDC and we flew out there, which was really fun, um, except we got COVID and we got locked in a hotel room for like, oh, no. uh, yeah. we had to stay an extra couple of days. And yeah, so that was mm-hmm. pretty rotten. We started out with so much enthusiasm and then ended up stuck in a hotel room for three days. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's about the time when the whole world was like, "Okay, we can stop worrying about this a little bit." Mm. And then, and then, yeah, and, and right gave everyone, yeah, yeah. And and you know, I don't blame people who fell onto the other side of that trap, right? Because like the whole world kind of said, "It's fine now, ish." Yeah. And I, th- it's like, yeah. And then, you, then, yeah. In your situation, you're probably like, "Why did the whole world like <laughs> say this was fine?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we obviously we knew it was a risk. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's a big event, and yeah. I mean, for us, like we got uh, with the IGF nomination, we got free passes. So for us, it was like a no-brainer. Let's do this as a once-in-a-lifetime potentially opportunity. Yeah, it's not often you get to because we don't. I mean, we don't get out to these places very often. It's we don't get it's out much. Cost <laughs> for us to go. You know. Um. So yeah, we we jumped at that opportunity. It was a, it was a shame, but uh, we got a couple of days in, and uh, you know. I guess it was a it was a smaller yeah. event than previous years, and yet it still felt completely overwhelming and huge and yes, like <laughs> I don't really know what to finish. Yeah, Ellen, it was your first year, right? It was my first year at GDC, and I felt the exact same way. I was shocked when people told me that it was actually a small, like lower attendance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> but that's so cool that you. Uh, so cool that you. Um, Came across our game on the show floor there. That's really yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was a delight. Yeah, and uh, it has since come out, and uh, to, uh, I would say, widespread critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. Uh, people really like it, right? Yeah, yeah. It seems to have struck a chord with with a with an audience, and mm-hmm. we couldn't be happier about that. Yeah, with an audience and like even um, people who have reviewed the game for various publications, like we've almost had... Universal praise, which you know we just did not expect at all when we were going out. We really hoped that we yeah. might find a small niche audience, but I remember the week prior to it coming out, we got maybe it was the day before reviews came out, and it was um, Rock Paper Shotgun gave it a bestest best review, and then PC Gamer gave it 90, 90%. And we were just like. This doesn't happen. This is so weird. (laughs) Is it really that good? (laughs) It was a surreal time. (laughs) Well, now, now, uh, um, from what I understand, y'all are like uh, in the process of planning for your next next project. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. It's something that is unannounced. So um, we're not 
talk about any details but um yeah we're uh we're working away on it cool. for sure well that that's cool because i our topic is just about the scope of it yeah um yeah. and so i guess i i wanted to ask by like starting off thinking like how do you even scope out a project right like it's difficult it's already difficult enough to plan like a sprint when you have two weeks and you know yeah what you can do within two weeks but like you want to start planning out mm-hmm. an entire project work worth worth of activities um and so you got to start thinking about like how much money you want to put into it? Do you need other people to help you out with it? Things like that. So I, I, I'm curious where you even, where you started in the process of, of scoping out this new, this new game you're working on. Um, to be honest, for us, like, like I mean, the biggest constraint is, um, we, we like to mostly do stuff ourselves. Mm. So if, if it, it kind of has to fit within our skill set. Okay. Um, and. You know, we're pretty clear on what that is. We know we know what we can and can't do, um, and then you know it has to be obviously something that's going to be commercially viable. Like that's that's another important factor, right. um, and then it has to be something that you actually want to make. And so um, it's not so much the case uh, with this next game because you know we've got something to build on there but certainly with strange horticulture it's you know it's like you're looking at a dartboard that's 20 meters away and it's a venn diagram with those three circles on and you're trying to hit that bit in the middle Mm -hmm. and um so yeah trying to actually come up with the idea and and then fit you know the, the game has to fit in as you say into a scope that you can do in a realistic time frame. We, we don't want to be spending years and years and years working on a game. Right. So it's got to be something that's in your skill set, but also that is going to be constrained in some way. You know, it doesn't. Right, right. Out. But but in that initial process, um, you can kind of get crazy with it and and let, you know, just see what happens. And then you can come down in scope afterwards, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, anything to that's, add on that. That's a great visualization. And I like the idea of throwing a dart. Um, because like you can yeah. when you're ideating and you're brainstorming, you can just keep throwing darts. You just need people to hit. Yeah, yeah. There. Yeah, as many yeah. darts as you want. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, what were you gonna say? For a small team like us who work together and don't really tend to go outside of uh, I mean, we we've we talked about bringing other people on board. Um but for the most part, we just work together. We're brothers. We know each other very well. We know our working relationship. So from our point of view, it's like, you know, what, as Rob says, what are our skills? Like, we, we know we can do a certain amount, but um, we're restricted on, I'm restricted on what art I can do. I'm not massively good at 3D and modeling and stuff like that. So I tend to prefer doing 2D stuff. Rob is can probably do code whatever he wants but um, <laughs> but we have to absolutely not we have absolutely to look at not. that skill set and basically say look this is what we're going to do and then we have to say like how much time do we want to spend on it like because realistically there is a risk involved the longer you take the more um time and money is spent on it um not necessarily money but certainly time where you could be earning money doing something else and um you know there is a risk to whatever you make that it's going to fail especially in this industry right so you have to try and like yeah. essentially do 
the best thing you can possibly make in a short amount of time as you can really um and that's what you're trying to achieve so in, in that sense it's about finding uh, I, I don't scope is like you know you can you can get carried away once you have the idea and you can then polish i think that's different but scope like it's when you just want to add new add more and more features on and on and to a game that it just becomes a bit dangerous so you have to get that core idea that core concept what you want to achieve with it and then try and stick within that framework i think um yeah yeah you sort of outlined sort of three pillars of it and i think we should take them one at a time and we've already gotten yeah. a little bit into the first one which is you know capacity yeah. right ability and i it, it's interesting um uh john that you said that you, he could uh, rob <laughs> just code whatever and i i and I, I will say we've talked to a couple of brother development teams on this program in the Myself past, included. <laughs> and um, one of the one of the things that makes uh, people who are uh, family members close or just longtime collaborators mm -hmm. work well together is when they have really defined skill sets. Ah. And so when you so mm -hmm. it's almost a, an advantage, and maybe I'm maybe I'm being unfair, but there's an advantage to kind of not knowing what the other one can do. That explains why me and Charles <laughs> don't work well together, because <laughs> he can do it all. <laughs> And <laughs> just program. Well, you're just you're in charge of your of your yeah. own particular scope, right? right, right and th right. so you don't, and you're not constraining the other person, yeah. by that perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just my little observation. What I really want to ask about in this is um, that's that 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 part of scope, the sort of doing what you can do that's within your skill set. Um, th there's like a couple ways to expand that, right? There's like devoting some time to learning something new, but there's also like bringing in a contractor. But then that's not just uh, outsourcing. A, a, a another skill that's putting on yourself managerial right. responsibilities right, right right like when you mm. say it might not cost a lot of money but it'll cost a lot of time that's something you can say because there are no it's just the two of you right you, there's no you don't have employees yeah. so talk a little bit about like that constraint and is that something that like were it would, would you like to be able to change and it's just like a crushing reality that keeps you from changing it um to be honest, so yeah, we've we've worked with collaborators mostly on uh, music mm -hmm. um, because that's just something that's completely outside of either of our skill sets. So we're not going to, you know, we could spend hours and hours and hours and days and days and days, and we're not going to produce anything that's worthwhile. So we're just not going to do that. Um, but then most other things, even if they're not inside our skill set i say we still you know, like to try our hand at stuff um so yeah like uh, you know i'm not a writer but i i wrote the, the um all the stuff in strange horticulture all the dialogue all the letters and all that sort of stuff and there is a lot of writing that goes into it and through that process i've got better at writing so um you know it's if you can envisage it being within your skill set then i i quite like learning that new skill yeah. that new craft like yeah i might not be the best writer but i've learned from it and hopefully going forward i'll, I'll be better um i think i mean i would guess that that naivete of like maybe i could do this and therefore it's within my mm. scope like um is that important like to keeping you from locking it down too much because like when you say do what we can are capable of you're not actually saying that literally. You're saying do what we can imagine we're capable of. Is what it's for, the, for the most part, 
yeah yeah true um it's it's difficult like learning stuff takes a lot of time and um a lot of patience and it's something that i find very hard now that i've got like a set way of doing things and a set like sort of um style i guess especially as an artist like um experimenting with that and trying new things like i I get frustrated very quickly when i can't achieve in my head what i want to achieve and so um i kind of fall back on those defaults of doing the same thing and i want to be able to learn like 3d modeling and um texturing and all that kind of stuff and but i would prefer to do it myself like just because that's how i've always worked than to get a collaborator in and and do that especially when i don't like it's hard to like think of someone coming in and like disrupting the dynamic that that just the two of us with you know we have this because we're brothers we have this creative shorthand and stuff bringing someone else on board it kind of feels like could get awkward could be like um quite difficult uh, the time consuming to manage them and to do all that side of things and then you know if if rob or i don't like what each of us have done we kind of verbally say like not, not convinced this is this is up to scratch go back and start again and that can be quite hurtful and hard like to take sometimes but you know, at the end of the day it's just my brother we're trying to do the best we can so we turn around but you say that to someone else and like that's right, right. that's those are hard discussions and it's not something that we have ever felt confident to 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 try i guess mm-hmm. yeah you have a lifetime of practicing communicating and building trust with one another you can't build that with someone else in the matter yeah. of a few days or even a few weeks makes sense that's true but there is a flip side to that which is that obviously we can't do everything ourselves and that there are lots of amazing talented incredibly gifted people out there um and collaborating is an amazing thing I ha- we have in the past like particularly in in the flash days we worked with other people um and that was like just a really fun experience getting to you know, learn from other people essentially and uh the experience of um releasing strange horticulture we worked with uh, a publisher and um that was amazing as well because then you've got other people with this whole different skill set of marketing and promoting your game and and doing um community management and stuff like that and so that was just really cool so we do enjoy collaborating with people it's just um yeah there's there's something to be said for just working in a really small team i think that it cuts down on all of that management stuff that we're just not that interested in um plus i think that um being constrained is no bad thing like we're all constrained whenever you make a game there's budget there's time all the rest of it but and yeah and that is your skill set but that kind of for for any creative work in any medium there's always going to be those constraints and i think that sometimes that's where interesting work comes Mm. from is is from working around those constraints yeah, you've hit on the the third of your three pillars, which is wh- what you want to work on, mm. and th- that I mean, mm. you're, it's not just the what you want to work on in the game, but like what you want to learn, what extra administrative responsibilities you want to take on, what's worth your time, and what, and not just in terms of like maximizing the potential of the game, but like 
maximizing your experience working on it. Um, and sometimes that means, yeah, we, I don't, we don't need to get, you know, a, um, a, a, this managerial overhead, not because we're not capable, because it doesn't sound that fun. Right. Which is, yeah. uh, you know, which is a perfectly reasonable reason not to do thing. And that's, I think that's why I, the, it, it struck me when you established that as like a big part of defining your scope. It's like, you know, it, less about the game and more about you. Um, and so uh, let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, what is it that uh, motivates uh, you? What, what's high on your list uh, uh, for stuff like that? Is it things I'm good at and, and stuff I'm interested in that I want to do more with? Or is it, Things I want I haven't done yet, in terms of genre, mechanic, art, uh, style, anything like that. Because um, I think people, this is I think a matter of opinion, and I'd like to hear yours. I mean, from my perspective as an artist, like um, I'm certainly of the opinion that I like to work in and around fields and styles that I'm comfortable in. Like I've I've get incredibly mm-hmm. stressed with myself and my own ability when I have to things that's outside of my comfort zone um uh so when it comes to like my scope like personally i like to sort of work i mean i'm constantly evolving like in terms of my style just you know that's how art works like you're constantly like getting better improving things and doing little things that you weren't doing before but I'm not consciously going out and saying, right, I'm going to try like something completely different and wild. Um, and that's just, that's what I feel most comfortable in. But um, I wish, I really wish I had more impetus to sort of like uh, exp- be a bit more experimental, try new things and expand my scope in that way. I feel like some sometimes I'm, I'm the impetus. Yeah. I try and <laughs> nudge John in... Uh, <laughs> like push push him to do harder things that he's not comfortable with and he you know if i want some 3d thing that he's like oh, i'm not sure about that i'll just be like no john i think i think you can do it man honestly like, he always blows me away with the stuff that he comes back with because you, know, you need he'll say like oh, i don't think i can I don't think i can yeah you always need someone like rob in uh basically you think you've done something really good you show it to them and they're like mm. Yeah, I think you could do do this better, right? And go away and come back again. And you like, and when you go away and you look at it, you go, so let's 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 try again. And it's like that iterative process where you discuss it, um, challenge each other on things, and um, it, it always means that things are constantly getting improved as you go on. It's just like I have to be careful, very much so, that I, as a perfectionist. At the same time, I don't like get mm. stuck in this rut where, like, like I'm producing something and and saying it's no good, and I need to be doing like more iterative stuff, like constantly, and then choosing what works and what's not instead of like taking one thing and making that look as good as possible and then scrapping it. <laughs> like that's that's my problem, I guess. Like, so um, yeah, it's difficult. So there's been a bit of discussion on Discord about our recent topic. This episode will come out at the end of the month, so there will be new topics by the time this comes out. Um, But I find that very fun because I'm oftentimes reading the uh, discussions that people are having and having disagreements in my head. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, actually, uh, you know what? I, I wanna I wanna challenge listeners to um, specifically tag me in things because I won't respond to stuff a lot of times unless I'm specifically tagged in it because I'm like, well, I have to respond. Yeah, we like to leave the Nice Games Club Discord for the listeners. Yes, but we do pop in from time to time. Yeah, yeah, but I try to resist that urge. Um, but I would like to challenge y'all to ping me on something. I'm going to regret this. Yeah, force Steven to, re- to reply to you. <laughs> I'm going to regret this, but it's fine. If you go to nicegames.club slash discord, um, and then type in at Steven, I think that's my name on there, um, uh, please have Just to respond to the hottest takes you can imagine. The hottest takes. Just how, like, how bad all fighting games are. Oh my gosh. Like, how Kirby is, like, a little overrated. Oh no! Don't do it! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, y'all figure it out, I guess. Um, <laughs> I knew this was bad as soon as I started saying it. It's too late now. Go to nicegames.club slash discord and uh, show me what's what. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, Rob, on the design or encoding side, yeah. um, although I do want to hear from both of you about like how you uh, split up the design work. But when it comes to like architecting a piece of software, um, um, how, how do you how do you approach that? Like, do do you try to push yourself? Maybe go a little too far sometimes, or do you are you one of those uh, programmers who has like this is these are the libraries I've built over the years, and now I can make anything with them. Um, when you start a new project, like wh- wh- where's the ambition when it, in in context of the scope of it? Yeah, um, I. I come at it much more from the um what I actually want to make first um and and work out how to do it and and uh, yeah as I said at the start I kind of know where my limitations are you know I, we haven't done lots of we're not pushing what um the engines are capable of or anything like that like that's that's not what our development is what we're interested in doing is um I don't know, just just trying to do something new. Like when I think back to um, when we were uh, coming up with ideas around strange horticulture, we spent a, a long time just coming up with the idea and we were working around um, these point and click ideas and because uh, we, we love point and click games, we enjoyed them uh, as kids. Um, influenced by stuff like mist and the discworld games um and we'd made a couple in flash like silly kind of uh mostly inspired by discord which is you know it's very silly a lot of humor in there um but then when it came to this game we i don't know we we started down that route of point and click and then we just realized like that's great, but lots of people have done point and clicks before, mm-hmm. and the the genre is kind of stale at the moment. And we wanted to do something that was what was more interesting to us was to explore ideas that um, 
were maybe yeah a bit a bit newer a bit different um and in particular we loved the game papers please um which is obviously a, a big inspiration for strange horticulture so we spent a while like working out what was interesting about that and um and why that worked uh and and tried to put some of that into strange horticulture yeah um it's okay, Steven, you had a... Yeah, uh, I was going to say, it, it, it kind of sounds like um, y'all sort of scope as you, like, develop the, the, the game outright instead of, like, like, coming up with the game and going, this is what we want to make, and then how do we scope it? You kind of, like, you kind of do both in tandem, it feels like, where you'll, um, you'll realize, I want to do these kinds of things and go, these are the kinds of things I can do with respect to that, and then kind of add on top of that as a result and it sort of piles on one another which i think is cool because i think that makes a lot of sense especially with with y'all's um with your development style where it's both just you two working on things um i i'm i'm curious um if 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 it's if that's a conscious decision or you just kind of like established that over time sort of stumbled upon it i think that um one thing that I've realized is that if you just sit down and you're like, okay, today I'm going to come up with an idea for a game or whatever. Well, it's not going to work. You're not going to come up with the idea for the game. Right, right. Kind of stuff just comes up naturally over time. And so I don't really like, obviously we do, we do have a, a long period at the start of development where we come up and try and scope it out at the start to some extent. You know, you, you have a vague idea of where it's going to go. But so many new ideas come out along the way as you're putting the game together that the, the game from when you first conceive of it to when it is finished, they're almost like they're just completely different. Right. Yeah. It's um, yeah. So, yeah, in terms of I was just going to say, it's, sorry, it's a very ahead. iterative right. process, like where, um, you know, when we're when we first start prototyping and scoping a game out it will we you know we start going down one route we coming up with ideas like prototyping like thinking about it and then we'll kind of tangentially go off into something else that we're kind of like working on and 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 there'll be some ideas there and then something else and then when you come to like uh well like strange horticulture came the idea came from a bill uh, an advert on a bus stop which had the word horticulture in it, and rob came home and just said got this idea for a game it's called strange horticulture what do you think and we were like yeah that's really cool there's something in that let's let's talk that through and we talked that through and then as we were building it together we started like piecing bits from other things that we've been working on you know like a point and click game with a setting called undermere which we were like yeah that's really cool we can bring that in a board game idea that we've been working on like six months previous where like we suddenly took these this map idea with map puzzles that we'd had from there and we brought that in and everything started to click and like that's when you kind of go okay the scope for this is starting to like come in like we we've got like we've got this idea we've got like puzzles that work we can um uh we'll, we'll base it around identifying plants um and 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 like having the confidence then to say like okay that's enough of it or that's interesting in itself and then like taking on yeah the spirit mm. of point and click games which we really liked and putting that in into this kind of papers please setting with a one screen layout which uh for a two-man team 
reduces the scope. Like we've got like a single screen layout setup window, and uh, we just felt like that helped us massively in terms of one the amount of art we had to do, um, the amount of um, like locations that we had to put in, and like all of that stuff. And it kind of felt different and unique enough that uh, it just sort of worked. Yeah. I think um, that's one thing that benefits us is that we're um, generally inspired by other indie games, and so if you, when you're inspired by indie games, like they're always quite small in scope because they're made by small teams. Whereas for indie devs who are inspired by like AAA stuff and you know big blockbuster things, I just think you know, you're you're asking too much of yourself. Yeah. You can't you can't build that game. It's too big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that comes back to the idea of like working on what you want to work on. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to say people should play more indie games, although I do always mean to say that. Um, but I think people do like what what gets them excited. It, it can sometimes be those those AAA experiences, those the things, and they hmm. are, are even if they do play indie games, aren't as they're just not as impressed by the scope of those things, and so they don't want to like like. And so, like, oh, I'll do it smaller because I'm indie. Yeah. But I want it. I want that. I it, want depends that. What, yeah. um, it depends what. It depends what people are impressed by, right? Um, I, I think a lot of young people are impressed yeah. by like visuals and um, all of that stuff. But like, uh, one AAA game looks the same as another AAA game if it's a shooter and it has the same kind of basic mechanics. Whilst you look at indie games done with small teams, and they're all so unique with such a, an inventive, interesting mm -hmm. visual style doing something wildly different from the last one and i just i think there's just from our point of view like as um consumers of games like as as uh, players like the indie space is so much more interesting and varied um and exciting and like you know we're we have like i like i have two children like, i don't have time to go and sink 30 40 hours into a massive game like i i want something i can finish in you know if, four to eight hours uh, and like is a nice experience contained and doesn't go on forever and then like i can move on to the next thing and i think too many games try and do too much and unfortunately like there's a whole audience that also expects games to be a certain length and i think that's very destructive yeah um and uh, and uh, frustrating as someone who wants to make these smaller experiences I think that I personally I'm not frustrated well, because yeah. I think that there is an audience for those smaller yeah. games as well. I mean evidently you guys <laughs> found it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean I think we're all on the same if we if this soapbox can get bigger, I think we'd all share it. Um <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah, come come join yeah, us for up sure. there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean I I don't think none of us have none of us the co-hosts um have kids, but um I did. Did I mention the three dogs? No. Uh, <laughs> life gets busy, yeah. right? And and yeah. if you're sinking, my husband is one of those people who will sink hundreds of hours into a game. He's at like 700 hours on Path of Exile right now, and I just don't understand. Um, <laughs> but that's because it's the only thing he plays. And as a as a player, I really like to have that variety. But also as a designer, mm. I want that variety so that I have more inputs and sources of inspiration. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Partly because of, you know, 
the you know new ideas about what games can be, but also because at this point you know in my career, whenever I see a game, I'm not just seeing the game. I'm also seeing behind the. I'm imagining behind the scenes what's happening, and mm, right. all the the work. And I, I would say, you know, if we think about games as an art form, which they are, um, all the things that go into practicing that art, which includes communication between team members, thinking about your scope, thinking about you know, all the the work around the artistry that makes it happen is super interesting. And, um, and if you have a formula for a game design, then that makes it easier to create a formula for how you're going to scope your project and plan it. But if you're coming up with something completely different that really has never been done before, then you really are doing your best estimates as you go along. And going back to something Stephen brought up a little bit, uh, going back to something Stephen brought up a bit ago, um, the process of creating a game is iterative. But what I also heard from you all, um, John and Rob, as you were talking about this, is that those pillars that you touched on, the, your capabilities and capacity, whether something's commercially viable, whether you want to work on it, um, and like what your timeline is, is it realistic? you're also revisiting those things as you're iterating to make sure that your ideas still mm. fit within those pillars. Or if you have, now that you know more about what you want to make, if you have the ability to adjust those pillars a little bit. Um, so it's not just the code and the art that's iterative. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, in in some ways it's like, you know, it's like any kind of construction project where they come up with a timeline and a budget and then they just blow it out of the water, right? It never comes Every in on time. It never comes in yeah, on budget. Never. And it's the same with game dev. Like if we're like, yeah, this one's going to take us a year. No, it's going to take you two years. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to be the Los Angeles Olympics or the <laughs> London Olympics? <laughs> Folks who get that reference will get that reference. Um <laughs> You, so you talked a lot about the um, the um, uh, the sort of the, the inspirations and the creativity and the piecing together multiple pieces that are around you so that your sort of interest ambition doesn't push against scope. I think that's like a brilliant way to construct projects is like maybe build your big idea out of little ideas you've got available, like, you know, synthesize that into something. I think that's great advice. Mm -hmm. But I think it actually runs right up against the third of your pillars, which is uh, commercial viability yeah um especially now that you have a success under your belt um uh um, um that those pressures must be different now that you're working on the next one it i mean there's a little bit to the artist uh, uh um sensibility that i ascribe to which is like whatever like the market's the market you can't really yeah engineer mm -hmm. it and and, when you, and as you start to do it that way lies madness mm -hmm. but you have to do it a little bit um yeah. and so talk a little bit about that like when you have these ideas you're like this is going to work we know how to do this we you know or we can learn and uh this is what we want to do and will people play it like yeah. how, well, how does that when does that question come in at what part of the process so as you say it is different now that we've got that success um i think it's different i hope it's different mm -hmm. <laughs> but who knows you know when we release the next one it's still a Hope, hope some people like this one hope some people are going to play it um but yeah that was very much the case with the first one and so we decided to take the approach of we're gonna make the best game that we can that we're capable of making and 
we're not going to worry too much about whether it finds that audience or not. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we we were coming at it from a point of view as of this has to make us some money. Like, you know, this is our living. We're full-time game devs. We're, we're not hobbyists. Um, but at the same time, we had just enough safety net to fail there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, think, it was probably it was the last roll of the wrong. dice, to be honest. But um, yeah, so it definitely, if it if it had failed, then uh, you know we'd have been getting jobs and and going down that route. But um, oh my god, what horror! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, getting an actual job. No, <laughs> I mean, Ellen and Stephen are both employed as game developers. Yeah. <laughs> But I totally understand. But I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like the, the like, is this gonna be here tomorrow? Like, yeah. is or do I have to go get a a job? Like, I mean, we're we're. I'm yeah. a little bit on that edge too. <laughs> Let's be real. I mean, going back to that, I as Rob says, like our yeah. sort of design pillar when we made Strange Horticulture was we want to make a game that some yeah. one person out there, just one person, thinks it's their favorite game of all time, and if we can do that. And that would be we've we've pushed ourselves and we've made something the best thing that we could and we can be proud of it no matter how it does commercially. So and we thought like if we can achieve that then at least we've got a good game. And then if you've got a good game, we like to think I mean that's not this doesn't equate to uh, commercial success, but we like to think you've got at least a chance. I think it's very hard to have commercial success if you haven't made a good game. Um, so. First and foremost, that's what we wanted to do. And then we we sort of just injected enough ideas, I think, like we, you know, we like the idea of plants and the kind of like that time um pre-science and uh, where they're kind of like the idea is that they, they can have supernatural properties and are remedies for ailments and magic can be real and stuff. And we thought that was really interesting and we can add a supernatural narrative and all of these things are pieced together to, we thought, something that was very niche, yes, but also potential to be, you know, for people to enjoy it. There's enough crossover with um, what people like out there that we thought we were tapping into a, a few different um, audiences that could potentially enjoy a game. And um, we, we also really, really wanted to get a publisher on this one because both of us struggle on that side of it, like putting ourselves out there in the social media sphere or, or doing stuff like that. So getting them on board, like at probably around the halfway stage really freed us up to, to focus on the game and then they could push it like from that side of things. And also because we got that, we kind of felt a bit more comfortable like going forwards. One, we had um, some money coming in and um, yeah, it just felt like, that that helped us a lot to be able to move forward with it with things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hearing a lot of like you. I mean, in the absence of detailed market uh, yeah. research, I mean, um, you, like you, you just it. use the knowledge yeah. you have, right? And and it sounds like you just don't worry about the knowledge yeah. you don't. Yeah, because if you don't know, I mean, what can you do about it? But yeah, we 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 obviously. As as I said, we tried to look at papers, please, and why work out why that was successful, um, why people liked it so much. Um, 
and then we went our own way with it and and didn't make anything like papers please but you know it has the has some of the hallmarks of it um but i think that the big change in perspective for us was realizing that point and clicks weren't really that commercially viable anymore there were a lot of great looking point and click games that just didn't seem to be selling and so we pivoted away from that and towards something that you know was a bit different um and and we just yeah went from there yeah yeah and that, that the that sort of ties a little bit back to what you were describing about like the big long you know 50 hour games yeah. is that when and a point and click is sort of the indie version of like a way to make a time sink game is <laughs> mm. but it also requires an a buy in and an investment that requires advertising to 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 engender right yeah and so there's the, the the sort of like keeping the game shorter kind of services its commercial viability in 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 the indie space a little bit it's sort of almost ironic in that yeah. sense uh, mm. uh one thing i have noticed that I appreciate about y'all is that uh, you're not letting the success of one game balloon the scope of the next game. Right. Because I've seen <laughs> that's happened a lot in is particularly in the indie space where they'll make something and then they'll make that one too or something and it'll be like three times as big as the other game because they someone have someone who's working on exactly that kind of oh, project. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm I was brought in to balloon the scope of this. Right. Project, so it's not. I'm. I. I mean, clear conscience for me. <laughs> But it's um, not necessarily a bad thing. It's but a, it can it's be. a different kind of challenge, right? Right. Um, right. And it, it brings way more, even even when ultimately the scope is a lot smaller than, yeah. You know, even the smallest AAA games. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It's a. It, it makes it. Yeah. You have to learn a whole new ways of doing things. Mm. Um. Which you know, for the team I'm working with, it's that's a, it's a harder struggle for them than it is for me. Yeah. Because it's unfamiliar to them. Right. Whereas the whole thing is new to me. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I totally it, it, you know admire that too. Although. Let's hear from you. Has <laughs> is this next game so much bigger? No, <laughs> no I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. I mean, we're trying. What we the problem with success, right? Is that you have a successful uh, game, and then you kind of go right. Well, we've got it. We've, we've we've made that, so we've got to make it better than the last one in almost every department. Um, mm, right. But also, like, yeah, not get carried away with the scope. Because at the end of the day, we're just two brothers. We're not, like, trying to um, grow a company and, like, you know, um, hire up on, take on loads of responsibility, take on loads of people and increase, like, our scope massively. We, our scope is much more refined. It's like, okay, we want to take what we've learned from Strange Water Culture and just make a better game. Like, that's kind of it for us. Yeah. That, that's our scope so um mm. we we're not getting carried away with ballooning out of control no we just you know we stick to our principles and we stick to what we know what we're good at and and that indie space which we're familiar with and that suits us you know as as two brothers um it suits what we uh want to do and uh, we feel comfortable doing that so for us for the time being that's that's where we want to be well, you have um, meta goals, right? Like your your goal for your for bad Viking is for you to it to mostly just yeah. be you two, right? And so that also dictates the mm. scope of games that you will want to work on in the future. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, 
as I said, we're, we're, we are open to the idea of collaborating with people. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that's never going to happen in the future. But yeah, for now, at least, um quite happy just working as the two of us. And as John says, we just want to make the best game that we're capable of making and, and learn from what we've made before. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I think as a result, like that helps keep your scope in check. So I think that's mm. that's smart. It's I think I think I have found it to be valuable to know in advance what I want from like the group I'm working with, um, just because it helps me determine what. Even if like I could make a bigger game, I might not want to make a bigger game because as a result, I would need more people to help me with that, and that will make things more complicated. Or I want to make a bigger game. Because I want to work with more people, um, and I want to be able to eventually get to a point where I could make more things or bigger things. Um, so you start smaller, but like add a couple of people on at a time. Um, so like it, it, it definitely depends on what your goals are for your your uh, game dev group, company, what have you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I I think that's I think that's a good way of framing it though. So I appreciate. I mean, that. it depends on your goals and on your like uh, your pitch and. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if you if you have a great idea and you feel like, OK, we need to expand a bit and you can get the funding you need to do that, then uh, and, and get the right people on board, then to me, that's a no brainer. Like, absolutely. You, you want to do that. So, yeah, it, it's a, it's about like finding the best team for the proposition that's in front of you, if you for the game that you want to make. So, uh, OK, so you've you've kind of scoped out what it is that you want for the game right um this future game or strange harder culture which you didn't you know you did in the past things other other games anybody can do this um what do you how do you decide on like the specific milestones when you like say Mm. this is when we get such and such uh deliverable done or uh i don't know gdc is coming up i want to show the game off there um yeah do you put put a full timeline that you know will change just focus on that first milestone if so what is it Mm -hmm. I'm curious, y'all thoughts on that. Coming from Flash, where your milestones were, I've got a game idea, and in two or three months the game is done. You kind of, we never really set, we we never got into the habit of setting ourselves milestones. Okay. Um, we just we worked as fast as we could, and we when it was done, we went and sold it. <laughs> so then, coming into um, the more indie PC game market, um, and and doing bigger games. Yeah. We've, we're still kind of clinging on to that mindset, I think, mm. where, well, it's done when it's done. <laughs> um, and to some extent, obviously, you know, time and money catch up to you eventually. Right. Um, but particularly with this next one, where Strange Horticulture is already under our belts, and, you know, obviously we've, we've got a bit of money from that. So the financial risk is much lower. And as John says, we're not growing as a company, so we're not taking on more financial burdens in that respect either. The risk there is that then you you don't set any deadlines, and then you, it never gets done. Right, right. We but, we definitely like we work better, or like, I I struggle under a, like the pressure of a deadline. Mm-hmm. At the same time, sometimes I realise that they are very useful. Uh, certainly, um, have like a loose kind of. I want to be at this stage by here, and I think once you get to, once we get to a more of a like an, I guess what you call an alpha stage, that's when we feel like we can start putting in more rigid milestones, and we feel more comfortable. Like, okay, right, we've got to this stage. Let's give ourselves two months to to get to this stage. Like, 
where it's like basically a full build and, and then give ourselves enough time to really go in and polish it all up. Um, but getting from yeah. uh, the idea to that alpha, like that's that's that kind of unknown timeline that we, yeah. we it's very hard to, to pinpoint like when we when we should get there. But at the same time, like yeah, we 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 don't want to crunch. That's it. Like Rob and I are not very good. We don't like mm. we mm. we try and work. No, no one wants to crunch, but like we we, right. we try and uh, keep a sort of healthy work life balance. So in some ways that's really good. So that's, but at other times, like I find like, I can lose my flow if I like go off and do something else. So like I'm often just working into the night. So but yeah, setting those deadlines is I think it's something we potentially could benefit from more. But I find that the pressure then gets to me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I think there's a, there's the the self awareness of it that you've expressed is maybe at this at the scale of your team, not your project, that might be all you need. Um, but I also don't mean to let you off the hook for those concerns. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something, and I think a lot of people listening will be like, "Oh, great, it's not just me, <laughs> right?" Because I think, I mean, you know, like for what a decade ago, people in in games started getting the agile idea right that started becoming really popular as a philosophy mm-hmm. in games mm-hmm. in indie games mm-hmm. and i think people i think more people profess it than practice it mm-hmm. yeah and right. and that's not just you know a, a, a framework like agile but any kind of organized structure for your project um you'll you'll have you know you'll have a document you're like you already know you're not going to keep to it yep. yeah um and i think there's a, there's a sort of a industry-wide uh uh, you know, a delusion about how, how good we are at this because yeah. we're all pretty bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it makes it kind of hard to talk about because we kind of think everybody else is doing a little better at it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, the <laughs> ideal way of using doing agile is every two weeks you have something deliverable at the end of those two weeks. Right. It's but, not very game friendly. It's not. Yeah. 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 But, but I just use it as an example. I have found having milestones to be beneficial because at the end of the day, you'll you'll have something even if that milestone is like three months and not in a, not in two weeks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you'll still have something at the end of those, uh, you, at the end of your milestone that you can show to people and go like, "This is kind of this is what we want for our game." Um, and Get that's some learnings. Yeah, that's that, something yeah. you can pitch to people. That's something you can show off at conventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I have found valuable, but at the same time, it is pressure. Like, and sometimes that pressure can be, uh, can lead to you working late hours because you want to make sure that this thing is done at this certain time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's likely not going to be the case if it's an arbitrary deadline, but like if you need something for PAX or GDC or whatever, it can be stressful in that in that way. I'm a big yeah. believer in arbitrary deadlines. Mm, yeah, because sometimes you just need a mm-hmm. reason at all. Yes, and and it's like if you can't come yeah. up with a good one, mm-hmm. a bad one will do. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but those ones are easy to just let fly by because like there's not. Yeah. Any external pressure aside from, I don't know, somebody right. else. That's the, that's yeah. the skill is is yeah. to, because I mean, it's all fake, right? <laughs> I suppose that's true. Like you're, you're showing off your game at PAX. What good is that really going to do you? <laughs> like we, we all know it's not really going to game. So you can miss that deadline. It's mm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all fake. Uh, so you have to have some discipline and to like keep to that yeah um and yeah it's not easy and none it, of us it, yeah i think it's for us it's just to be a i think discipline comes into it uh, but just having a flexible approach and just kind of as long as we feel like we're making we're chipping away at things like every week like constantly like making some progress and not stalling I feel fairly happy with things well that, that's discipline too yeah, that, i think that's that's the main yeah. thing that we 
you know we're just constantly working on stuff and uh, we don't necessarily do sprints but we'll be working on a specific feature and we'll work our way through that and have chats about that feature and and then uh, we yeah we like to get some visual stuff in so that you know there's something to show people yeah. or there's, there's something tangible there um so yeah when we're working on those more visual things i think we're often a lot more motivated and then it's some of the other stuff that more back-end stuff maybe that um we slow down a bit on and it takes us a bit longer to chip through it but as john says as, as long as you know you show up every day and you keep chipping away at it then it gets done yeah yeah and, and to your credit i think that like uh because y'all have been doing this for a while and you made a bunch of those smaller flash games in 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 a few months um i imagine you're very good at recognizing when you're at a point where you're like we finally got something and we should start figuring out when the alpha should be and when you know when we can actually get to the point where we're closing out the development of this game um so i it sounds like y'all are very experienced at that in the, at that part of game dev whereas i, I mean other I, people don't, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> take my compliment dang it <laughs> yeah. no, that's very kind of you <laughs> Um, I mean, I think what we are experienced at is is finishing games. Sure, like, yeah. That's what Flash helped us with. I think a lot of indies, you know, you see on Reddit people chatting about um, they just they never they never close off that scope. Right. They never put the end bracket on it. Yeah. Flash X Flash game devs, like yeah, you just made stuff and you put it out there, and it didn't matter if it was a bit rubbish. The bar was quite low, so you just move on to the next one. Yeah. It was a really fun development time. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's a skill, and with. In 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 of itself, um, is to be able to finish the game. Everyone, be- that's why game jams are important because everyone benefits from the low stakes that facilitate you being able to be disciplined about scope and time and yeah. stuff, and and letting yeah. a thing not be perfect. And as soon as the stakes start to rise, then you ha- then you have to have all of the that that skill to be able to put it in to say like, okay. All right, this game, it's, it's, we can't make it more complicated, but if we made it just this much more complicated, yeah. it would really pay off down the line. Yeah. And, and so let's do it. But yeah. then how do you differ- know that from, from like a, a bit of added scope that is just because you're already working on that feature, I'll make it 10 times better. Yeah. And, and that is such a hard thing to learn. But when the, yeah, when the stakes are low, uh, it's just way easier to get that yeah. thing, which is then beneficial later when the stakes are high. Mm-hmm. And so it's tough. But I mean, some people are not, really they don't like game jams and they don't get that sense and so right. there's nowhere for them to learn it yeah because flash doesn't exist anymore yeah yeah and um you know it, it provided you guys the silver lining to like move on uh, i think a lot this is probably this is a little mini soap soapbox mm. but i think a lot of people uh, they get really comfortable with their very small scope games yeah because they because mm. they're not because it doesn't challenge them right sure and some people are are comfortable being hobbyists and that's perfect. That's the perfect scope for them. Yeah. But other people don't want the risk that comes with a greater scope. Sure. And yeah. navigating those waters yeah. of, of indie success at the level that you guys are, I think might be one of the most challenging positions to be in in the entire industry. But just, you know, I think the, the self-assessment that you guys are constantly doing. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good thing to take away from this is to like, you're not get, it's not, you, the way you work isn't going to be like how everyone else works. Um, experience helps. Um, if you don't have that, then you, you need other tools. Um, and there's, there's not a one size fits all solution. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Mark, what you just said about, um, you know, Rob and John, how they're constantly reflecting on what they 
are capable of doing what they've learned and what they want to bring forward into their next project. That kind of leads me to one of my burning questions I had, which was, you know, when you're when you're done with a project or maybe you're done with a phase of a project, what questions do you ask yourself that kind of help you develop that sense of clearer sense of scope over time? How do you iterate or how do you, what do you how do you think about iterating on the process of planning and scoping itself? Fun. I'm, I'm not sure I really have an answer to that. Um... No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we save the stumpers for the end. Yeah. I was like, if you, if you have the answer to that, can you let us know? Because like, that's, that's a tough one. <laughs> I definitely think um, something that we did a lot of after Strange Horticulture was breaking down the feedback that we got from it. Um, and working out what people liked, what people didn't like about it. So we do a lot of that. We do a lot of kind of analyzing what people like and what people don't like. But then in terms of actually analyzing like, the, the development process and um, uh, you know where maybe we, we could have done better in terms of our scope and that kind of thing, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we just don't really think about that too much. I mean... I'll venture, perhaps that's the benefit of having done a pretty good job. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I would not to let you off the hook, yeah. but <laughs> I was just going to say that um, with strange horticulture, we we perhaps played it quite safe. This is something that we do quite a lot: is is we play it safe in terms of how much time we give ourselves, and it's a luxury that we have that we have had the safety net to do that in terms of our finance financial situation um and i appreciate that obviously not everyone has that so that allowed us to have quite a long period at the end of development where uh we were mostly done um but we got a lot of good feedback on our demo and from our publishers in that time and it helped us just extra polish on top of it and just make it a better game um in terms of the lesson that that provides like i I don't know i don't know how how to put that into words that might be helpful to someone else out there um well steven i think you're gonna like this because what this sounds like is uh playtest even at the end yeah right yeah feedback absolutely is is what we're hearing it's 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 not necessarily the questions you ask or the reflection you look upon it's when you have something to share and show and hear to get information that does not come internal. Yeah. Uh, I, I think yeah. the sooner you can do that, the better and just be prepared to accept all criticism um, and say, and be able to really sort of like, especially when you can see there's a, something that you really like, um, but it's not, it just doesn't work for the player or whatever. You have to be able to ha- make those hard choices. And the sooner you can do that, the better really. I think in particular, if um, if there's a feature that, uh, or if you get some feedback and it, it kind of stings a bit, um, I think often that's an opportunity to reflect on why it stings, because yeah. probably you know that if there's a reason, like, you know, you, you, you had doubts about that part of it, perhaps. Yeah. I really, I really like, I really like that you brought that up because like, yeah, sometimes you'll get feedback from someone and uh, I'll feel upset about it because I'll be like, no, this is how it was supposed to be. And I like that you feel the instinct to um, internally search as to why you feel that way. Yeah. Because like uh, sometimes I'll be, 
I'm a stubborn person. And <laughs> I will instead just be like, no, this is correct. Mm-hmm. Shut up. But it's better I mean, to... Like, some, sometimes it I is. Mean, yeah. You have to just well, tell us to go away. Right, sometimes the children are wrong. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But, it, but it, is good to, it is good to just search to make sure that like when you're, when you're putting your foot down on those things, it makes sense to do that. Because sometimes it hurts because you... Cause like you said, sometimes it hurts because... Um, it is something that you felt maybe was off about it, but you didn't necessarily wanted to admit it to yourself or you didn't fully yeah. recognize or think through what it is that's missing. And somebody just put it in a way that maybe wasn't that you didn't expect, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I've definitely had feedback where uh, um, I'll reflect on, I'll be like, oh, the reason that's that a bunch of people aren't getting this is because I'm not a regular gamer. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, I, I play video games differently. Yeah. And I think that's probably true of most people, but like, I feel like I have a lot of different instincts from even the sort of maybe niche indie audience I want to chase. Sure. And so when I get some of that feedback, I get really frustrated and I'm like, oh, okay. So then my solution isn't to change it or chuck it. Mm. It's to how do I make, how do I facilitate an environment where I can get those people to feel the way I feel? Sure. Yeah. Rather, and, and that's a, that's a different challenge. Right. Um, and then sometimes it is to change it or chuck it, but, yeah. but I think you're right. It's to why, why does it feel like, like something you want to fight against? Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, yeah. a lot, and then, you know, there's always, I mean, we shouldn't just keep to the hard stuff. Like sometimes just that feedback is just like, yeah. Oh duh. Yeah. Like that, right. there's, there's plenty of that too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love getting that stuff. Yeah. That's great. And, and that's, that's yeah. a good enough reason. Mm-hmm. And, and if all you're, if then you're left with a couple of confusing ones or ones you fight with, uh, great fine you can deal with that however you want to deal with it but yeah. like a, a real good reason to do it is just you will find things that you will just agree with yeah and whether that's from players or from publishers or from uh, um, uh, play testers or you know your eventual audience or whatever form of feedback and whatever venue um, I just wanted to bring up an example like from Strange Horticulture that we had which was I think like mm-hmm. an interesting kind of when you say like uh, I mean as a, a sort of you don't play games the same way as everyone else well like we kind of like have our Kind of ideas about how people are going to play that game and then one of the things with strange horticulture is kind of when you when you first start the game right we don't tell anyone what to do like, there's no tutorial or whatever and there was a like a small group of people who are like where do i start what do i and we had to stick by our convictions on that one and say look mm-hmm. actually you know just because yeah. you, that's what you're used to and stuff that doesn't mean we're gonna bow to that pressure because sometimes feedback isn't exactly you know you you kind of go okay that that might stick but i think we were right in saying actually we want to make something where part of what makes this interesting is that discoverability and exploring and finding of working that out yeah. Yeah. ultimately this is kind of like mm-hmm. a game about finding stuff out but on the on the flip side, when someone said like we had a game over situation where like if you got some plants wrong or whatever, then you went to a game over and it was completely at odds with our whole pillar of cozy and relaxing. And uh, we kind of went, yeah, yeah, okay, that's really interesting. And it's not something we necessarily thought of until we got playtesters on board and going and going. And so what we did was we put in some like extra puzzles that you can solve that kind of take you out of the moment, but not to the extent a game over does. And then it puts you gently back in without too much of a disruption. It's a great discovery. So it's, it's, yeah, it's about knowing when to listen to feedback and when not to, and and, like having those discussions, uh, but also the strength of convictions in your 
own ideas as well. Right, because game design is not a puzzle to solve, right? right? Like, it's not like, oh, this will work when the, the player has no friction, loves every minute of it. And it's like, well, then then you yeah. lose all of yourself, mm-hmm. right? And so sometimes, mm-hmm. like, like you stuck to that conviction and that was right. But some, t- and, and this probably isn't even this situation, but sometimes you you accept the the, the fa- failure of a feature or an experience in service of a greater feeling yeah. or a or a different feeling somewhere else because yeah. you can't you can't square every circle right you got to decide which ones yeah. to do right and then yeah but, and then sometimes it is just like no I'm right mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah that's <laughs> that's tough to learn and as you're trying to like decide like how much I know it's, part of it is just leaving back into the scope like how much time do I have to change this. Right. Um, or yeah, or do yeah. I have to? Yeah. Or can I? Or can I just band aid it? And is that going to work? Mm-hmm. Is that going to satisfy me? Yeah. Is that going to satisfy players? Yeah. Yeah. I think the longer you give yourself at the end of a project to kind of, I, I mean, I say time is a luxury here, but like to to take on board those things and and iron out those kinks, the better really, because um, once you launch to an audience, you only have one chance. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the last lesson then to scope scope in that that variability and scope mm. in some of that reflection time yeah like that's that's going to be you need to build that in don't don't try to maximize every minute don't try to set your deadlines as soon as possible to meet a timeline don't try to fill all your time with with work yeah because you're going to have not just unexpected things that come up but you're actually going to want time to do different things that yeah. actually work on the game right yeah right. To give it time to reflect or to play or to get feedback mm-hmm. yeah it's complicated folks <laughs> truly truly is <laughs> Fun, though. Yes. <laughs> that's true it is fun <laughs> <laughs> all right that's our show you can find rob and john online at badviking.com or bad viking games on social media for show notes and additional links on today's conversation you can go to our website nicegames.club visit us on social media at nice games club where dale posts about game dev resources and the two types of programmers reply on the various platforms or email us contact at nicegames.club nice games club is on patreon support the show and get stuff including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be looking at polish and debug functionality. But that's it for this week. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.